Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. I'm sorry I did that. Uh, I'm embarrassed that I did that. I did a bad thing. But I'm a good person. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, we had Yoel Inbar on for an opening segment, but we had to scrap it. So now we don't have any guests for this episode. How are we going to make up for the lost revenue? What we do is we, like, I have a plan. Don't worry. Okay. We mentioned Yoel once. Mm-hmm. We'll mention Paul Bloom maybe once or twice in mm. a flattering light, and then I'll just invoice them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we probably can't charge them the whole appearance fee. It's not going to be the whole 10K or whatever. Yeah, but um, that I think that works. They Like, everyone's a winner. You know, they get yeah. uh, um, really, like, influencers um, talking positively about them. We get You're, the of course, ref- referring to a conspiracy theory recently peddled on, uh, on Reddit that uh, Paul Bloom was paying to appear on our show, which I get it. I get why you would think that... Uh, Somebody would pay the premium <laughs> <laughs> to be on very bad wizards. <laughs> to be on very bad wizards, uh, but in this case, uh, this is merely a conspiracy. You know, I remember at some point re- realizing that in the music business, I don't know, like at least for sure in rap, you could just pay Snoop like fifty k to, to like be on your song. Like here, I thought it was something organic. Like, oh, he must be really right. like you know co-signing this artist. But yeah. no, Snoop yeah. has a price, of course. It's like cameo, but to be on the song. <laughs> but to be on the song. But like it is, it is, uh, it, there's an interesting topic there about authenticity uh, where cameo, you just know, like there's a, like a little watermark on the bottom right that says cameo. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, right. If you have Snoop on it, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You think, you know, I just thought there was integrity, I guess. I, I don't know. He's saying it's Snoop, not me. Um, <laughs> Uh, to be clear, we don't charge anybody for their appearance on Very Bad Wizards, but we also don't have very many people because it's a pain in the ass. The number of sort of PR emails we get saying like, whatever, Joe Schmo would love to be on your podcast to talk about his new book on like <laughs> yeah. gardening in the 21st century or something. It's yeah. like, uh, I, I feel like I should just start an entirely new podcast that's solely <laughs> right. for the purpose of charging these idiots. <laughs> right. And we'll just have them on like, oh, so you said you want to, it'll be called like very bad <laughs> interviews with wiz- wizards or something. No D. <laughs> And we and we don't put it on any major platforms. We just send them a link. Oh, I want to hear about your amazing new book about how climate change would actually be addressed by strong AI and deep learning networks. 
This sounds really fascinating. I want to hear more about it. Tell me about uh, your book. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm just like, all right, like on the phone with the contractor. Yeah, I want you to take <laughs> my garage apartment. Uh, <laughs> They're very weird. These PR people, like, uh, they, it's like they, they don't even pretend that they've listened to, to an episode, yeah. which, you know, I, I just feel like maybe, maybe three minutes of research would let you know. Yeah, I mean, in their defense, like it wouldn't matter. So why should they? It would be a waste of their right. time. <clears throat> right. uh, it's not like it's like, oh, OK, well, no, it sounds like <laughs> she listened to that last one. So let's have this random book author. Yeah, no, it's true. I just want them to say something flattering to me. So uh, we should pour one out for an opening segment that didn't happen. We were going to talk about a, in fact, we did at qu- at yeah. some length, uh, talk about a, uh, a paper that was published in qualitative research. And yeah. it was about a, a man who had figured out, you know, like a new ethnographic uh, form of participation, <laughs> uh, which was to himself only masturbate to Shotu. Shota? Shota. Shota, yeah, right. And um, which is apparently just Japanese boys, young boys, 17 and under, having sex and licking (laughs) balls and sniffing. Some (laughs) self-published. Yeah. 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 uh, We had, it was a great segment. It was amazing. We we laughed. We cried. We read portions of it. But we're not, we're not releasing it. Why aren't we? Because, uh, you know, after we recorded, which was sort of like the a couple days after that had been uh, posted by by um, Neuroskeptic. And literally and everybody telling us on every everybody, possible yeah. form of media that we needed to talk about this. It was like <laughs> written for our show. Yeah. We read the paper. We discussed it. We even had like thoughtful things to say about like that were that were maybe about why uh, it was well written and that we should at least I was like, well, you know, he sounds just lonely and shouldn't. I didn't want to be quick to judge. And it's also it, very it, funny, like the paper <laughs> itself, not intentionally yeah, yeah. as it turns out, but very, very funny. The paper, like right. just it's, the it, way, it, like I, if if you can find a copy of it, I think it's been taken down, right? Uh, Tamler will send you his copy. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, Send yeah, there are all copy. these, <laughs> there are all these puns like hard copy. Um, and then, and then you, like, we came to find out as many people did that, that there's, this is kind of dark, man. Like this guy has been involved in, in, uh, publishing, uh, uh, like he had a zine back in the day that was sort of dedicated to like violent stories about violent acts, real life stories about violent acts toward young boys. And, um, and it just became not funny, and I, I it, it took on a, a new light. Um, it was a judgment call, but I, I just didn't feel right saying yeah. some of the things um, that we Well, had because said. part of, like, it was very funny, and we were making fun of it, but we were also, and I was, you know, I think you and I, maybe more than you, we were also <laughs> trying both for comic purposes, uh, but then also for real reasons, to be more sympathetic to... Yeah the methodology <laughs> right <laughs> then uh uh you know then most people would and right. um because there was something very special about the way this paper was written it wasn't just another ridiculous you know social psych or evo psych kind of paper it, right. it, it was weirder and as it turns out more genuinely <laughs> fucked up and disturbed and and then also yeah. like learning that shota is illegal in a lot of countries just not right. japan and stuff like that so like we were uh we were making yeah. a lot of jokes but uh, so anyway we're not doing it 
So yeah. now, like, if the you know, if you as a listener want to start up some rabid like release the Snyder Cut kind of like <laughs> uh, community, that's your right in a free country to do that. But as a but uh, that you we won't be so hearing many- that <laughs> you won't be hearing that uh, on this episode. No. Uh, we we even had title. We yeah, it was. <laughs> Can we say the the title? <laughs> yes. I feel I feel like the shoot the, the shoot your Shoda. <laughs> also, Tolstoy. That one. <laughs> <laughs> that moment alone when we recorded was. But anyway, yes. Uh, uh, bad, bad, bad guy. To, yeah, to it seems <laughs> like it's a bad like, and it's so funny because all this happened like neuroskeptic did his neuroskeptic thing, which is some kind of gift from God. <laughs> neuroskeptic like exists to like give the world happiness and us opening segments, and it was just him doing that, and then all of a sudden. Like the right wing uh, conservatives in in because um, this guy's a, at a UK institution, we can attack right. you know non STEM fields now because look right. at what they're doing. Because look what they're doing. The the uh, one part of the conversation that that it's too bad we um, won't be able to publish is it was we all noted that it was kind of weird at least the first few days that the the mockery the criticism the attention was about this like masturbation as method and not about the fact that this guy was just openly admitting to like collecting uh like depictions uh drawn depictions of like sexual acts that would be uh, illegal in most <laughs> jurisdictions as far as i know and uh and it was all about just like the the stupidity of like you know non-stem social sciences and masturbation and whatever and we're like, wait, but isn't this the worst part? This is the worst <laughs> part that apparently this guy has a stash of like, like stuck together comics. <laughs> from- yeah, that he would talk about in very loving ways yeah. about uh, masturbating too. And it's true, like, like the the discourse around. It, I think that's just because people didn't they read the abstract, you know, yeah. and didn't really yeah. get into um, what the show to comics. What, yeah, were. what they do, what they are, and also just take another step to think. Well, wait, what? Why are you just, like <laughs> forget about writing it and and that you think it's a contribution to like methods uh, <laughs> right. and all of that and like a new way of continuing the pioneering work of some like night anthropologists from the 30s <laughs> but like why are you jerking off to like uh, cartoons of like nine and ten year olds uh sniffing each other's cocks well he preempted that in his in his paper he said you know i i, I might get shit for this method but i will no longer take it i'm proud of what i do <laughs> and as a illustration of the pride in what i do i even bought a special lamp to jerk off to these comics with God damn it. Uh, there's some good stuff uh, in that segment, the masturbation yeah. lamp. Yeah. <laughs> we even got into real critiques of like whether if this were a method, what it would possibly show. <laughs> right. exactly. You know, we were like, we, we had our real, ha- you know, our real very bad wizards hats on. And, uh, and, and we couldn't been do blessed it. And Yoel, to his credit, was uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward. He was, uh, he was here with visiting with me. I think that's what made him uh, uh, awkward. Uh, but what neuroskeptic giveth, neuroskeptic taketh away. <laughs> taketh away. <laughs> All so, right. So what are we talking about instead? So uh, as, the, as the audible that we had a call in absence of, uh, of that amazing intro segment, um, I thought, I don't even know who, 
who tweeted about this, but there, there's a paper that came out recently on conspiracy beliefs. And uh, it's, it's a political scientist published this paper this year called Are Republicans and Conservatives More Likely to Believe Conspiracy Theories? And what the person tweeted was just this chart that had, I don't know, 20 conspiracy theories or yeah. more. For, I don't know, four. And uh, it ranked them. So they're listed in order of the degree to which liberals and conservatives endorse them. So the farther along on the right, the more conservative people are likely to endorse belief in them. And the farther on the left, uh, the more liberals are. And I thought, hey, what would be fun is to just go down this list and in part see whether I've even heard of some of these. And two, really, I want to know... Uh, as a measure of political orientation, because I know you're going to endorse some of these, I wonder just uh, where you would stand. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It's funny, like, I think this whole debate is because of Trump and, like, the election and then QAnon, which kind of rose, um, you yeah. know, and, and, and in some ways helped Trump get into power and consolidate power. Like, I think people think that the right are clearly more, like, prone to belief yeah. in conspiracies. But that's a pretty new fucking thing, you know? It like absolutely it, is. The, papers, the paper authors talk about this. I think yeah. they're very—so this is Adam Enders et al. Um, they're all at different institutions. They talk about this, and I think they're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right um, that, that it's just recent memory where the, the conspiracy nut jobs seem to be on the side of Trump. But like so many of the conspiracy theories that I would find annoying, say from living around Ithaca, um, are yeah. all peddled by the, the, left, by the left. the left, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, like most of those are true, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure. You but they threaten that. the yeah. status quo, your status quo, and your ruling class um, <laughs> position within it. My elitism. Yeah. Okay, can I go down the list then and just ask you what you think? Wait, are or we going to talk? About, do okay, that? sure. Um, are we going to? Okay, yeah. Let's just do that. Sure. How, how about that? Okay. Okay. So these, this is a list that doesn't like. We don't have. At least I didn't track down any like a uh, like full uh, items. So this is just like a. In some cases, it's just three words or two words describing a conspiracy theory. So define it, Tamler. My instructions to you: define it as you understand it from those three okay. um, words. So, um, COVID threat exaggerated. I mean, so this is a tough one to know, like, what yeah. they mean. Um, is it that the media uh, uh, exaggerated the threat of COVID to, like, normally healthy people? Um, uh, then, And the CDC also did that and played a part in that? Then, yes, absolutely. But That's if it's, like, did the government as some way of, like hurting Trump or doing some, you know, or like with some overarching political goal. No, it was just a way, I think, to try to get people to be more safe than sorry. Right. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad too. that you put you uh, made that clarification because I, I remembered I wanted to read at least their definition of a conspiracy, like their working definition yeah. of a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. um, to see whether this meshed with your intuition. In talking about how there are different studies that find these inconsistencies across, like, some people find it's Republicans, some people find it's Democrats. Uh, he said, they say, that we posit that inconsistencies across findings are partially due to the concept of conspiracy theory itself. And here's the definition they offer. A conspiracy theory is an explanation of an event or circumstance that accuses powerful actors of working in secret for their own benefit 
against the common good and in a way that undermines bedrock societal norms, rules, or laws. Conspiracy theories, uh, theories in italics, are not likely to be quote-unquote true, i.e. no even-handed burden of empirical proof has been satisfied, according to appropriate epistemological authorities. Right. And all of that is very loaded language and very unclear. And like, I do think calling something a conspiracy is a way of weaponizing like um, challenges to certain practices. And uh, the only thing I would say that I disagree with that is I don't think it's necessarily like they're doing it to enrich themselves somehow or for just their own interests. Like I think with the COVID one, it might have been a somewhat maybe misguided and ultimately completely backfiring attempt to uh, increase the common good, not decrease the common good. But it did violate norms of transparency and honesty. And um, and I think one of the, the reasons I think it backfired is just undermined even more than normal, like the amount of trust people have in something like the CDC. Yeah. So if if they say elevated the messaging about risk strategically to say, uh, well, if people get more afraid that they might get COVID, um, then they're less likely to spread it. Right. To people um, who really will die from it. Yeah. Um, that stops. That sounds to me like a, a strategy and may perhaps even a bad fail strategy or an immoral one. But I don't know in my common usage, I would call it a conspiracy. Um, it, it, like, yeah. wouldn't you call it a conspiracy if th- that may be the underlying reason why they're doing it, but they are st- like they are sticking to the official story that this is what the science says? Uh, uh, is I the see, thr- yeah. yeah, like I, I, that starts to get conspiracy. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. It, it's funny because what what's for me like the sort of sine qua non of a conspiracy is the part of their definition that says that it's like powerful actors working in secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a small group of people doing something with a goal that's completely secret. Whereas I think yeah. the CDC, um, probably yeah. in their meetings were like, yeah, let's, let's raise the, the messaging or whatever. Um, oh, I think it was worse than that. I don't think it was, let's raise the messaging. Like, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Actually, yeah, but like that small group doing things in secret. The other thing I wanted to say is if we call it a theory, um, and I think this is just definitional on their part, the the theory part of conspiracy theory in what they're studying just means that we don't know either way for sure. Um, because obviously conspiracies exist, like we know about some, but like COINTELPRO is no longer called a conspiracy theory, it's just was a conspiracy, (laughs) right? Right, 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 exactly. And there's a lot of those. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you probably think there's more than I do, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. uh, Birther, I take it to be. All I'm going to say is show me the long form birth certificate. My fears will be (laughs) alleviated. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm not. That's not one. Yeah. Uh, Global warming is a hoax. Okay. So no, I, I, as a conspiracy, no. I don't think this is a conspiracy, and and I don't even think it's a, it's a hoax. I think one day we maybe we could do a whole segment about like the epistemology from somebody like us, just intelligent. Like I'd like to think we're intelligent. <laughs> maybe people would disagree, but like people who have absolutely no expertise in this incredibly complex scientific subject, 
and how we're supposed to kind of have an opinion at all about something right. like global, global warming or threats to climate. Like, but in yeah. terms of it, this being a coordinated thing, I, I no, I don't believe that at right. all. In fact, like it does, cause it doesn't seem coordinated. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. like whatever yeah. is actually happening, it just seems kind of very disjointed and, um, yeah, so, you're right like, to set it. We have to set aside that because yeah. there is a big question about how, like, expertise and who to trust. Mm -hmm. um, all right, uh, Soros controls the world. You know, I like this is not one I know anything about. I know I barely like I don't know the, all the stories about George Soros. Neither and do I. So if he is controlling the world, he is doing a great job keeping <laughs> that under the radar from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move around. Like, and I listen to a lot of like leftist. Like, I guess it's probably more of a right wing. It, thing, I think right? it is. Yeah. And is, isn't Soros Jewish too? Like, doesn't mm -hmm. have a t like a, a bit of anti-Semitism. So you'd think I would know if he was. Up <laughs> you to weren't something. at the meetings. Yeah. It would. It must suck to be a Jew who's not been let in on the conspiracy that Jews control the world. <laughs> it does. It's not. <laughs> it's like not going to the party that everybody else in your high school is going to. You know. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to float around this list a bit. Um, what, is there one really Democrats infected Trump with COVID? I guess so. That's definitely what I'd never heard of before. No. Um, yeah. Can we talk uh, about one of them, which I just don't think should be on this list, which is Epstein murdered? Like, if you think <laughs> Epstein killed himself, like, you have the tinfoil hat. But why? Like, like in like, the absence of, like... The, the, because, we, like, we have... The, the, there, there's just not a convincing explanation for how that happened, and like every functioning like like piece of recording equipment like happened to be uh, out, and the guards weren't there, and like you you know like I don't I really don't like w with some of these like the official story is no more pl plausible than like the conspiracy story. You, I think we know this. Uh, our listeners will know. You see patterns more uh, where I see noise. <laughs> And uh, I think that whether or not Epstein um, killed himself or was murdered is to me just like, well, what's the evidence we have either way? And the, the, whole, the huge push to see him as murdered comes not really from like, oh, we don't have a recording. I don't think it is that weird that we didn't have a recording, but really from the like belief that, that there was like this, that the powerful who have like these pedophile rings. The people had reason to want him dead. Like I think, but I think that's true, right? But I like, think also they had also had win. the the means of of making that happen. That's arguable, but like I don't think it's arguable that people, that people wanted want. him dead. That he well, knew a, he knew a lot about people that a lot of information that they didn't want divulged. I mean, he probably wanted himself dead too. I guess is all I'm saying. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I hope. <laughs> he, he, he was right. He was right about that. Um, uh, so yeah. th that can we switch right there to? Uh, I'm going to go right to elite pedo pedophile rings. Again, um, it's like, well, there definitely were. Was that what right? bothers me most about this? Is there are there bush league pedophile rings? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, is there? Why is it the elite ones? Sorry, yeah, I like, I mean, I, I like, obviously the answer to that, that one is yes, right? Like, there's yeah. a lot of pedophile rings. Absolutely, like, it's yeah. fucked up. Right. So, and um, this one is, is yeah. used strong uh, to, to the right. But, but like that there are rings of people who create child porn and sell the ability to have sex with children. That there is sex tourism. I guess these turn on like how much organization and secrecy do you think is going on? Because like we know right. that there's sex tourism and stuff like where, you know, and we've heard 
plenty of, of <clears throat> very reliable accounts. I watched a recent, uh, recently I watched a video on Jared from Subway, um, the story of that guy. And, yeah. you know, just even there, it's like he would f- have his friend find mothers who are willing, like poor mothers who are willing to let their kids, like for money, sleep with the guy. And that's like, well, that has to happen. I guess the question is whether or not, like, the Clintons go to some secret island. Right. They, I think right. that's the thing that would, because uh, it, it's just a sad fact in, in yeah. uh, one way of looking at it. But if like, is Tom Hanks a part of it? Is it like, <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's, it's the elites that we've heard of that we wouldn't suspect of something like this is, right. the, is the real question. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pick some just to ask you. Do, did, have you heard any more since like the very beginning of COVID that 5G causes COVID? Or did that just die? I thought it was 5G oh, causes COVID. Yeah. No, yeah, I've never heard that. <laughs> Cancer, I think I heard. Or yeah. no, no, uh, but I, not. Are, yeah, there are a lot of people who believe that all of the spectrum of energy that we're being bombarded by causes like all kinds of bad stuff. But it, it just, 5G towers were going up right when COVID started. You know, so for a little bit there, people were like, well, obviously. Yeah. 5G is a little like MOOCs where for a while everyone was like, this is the future. Like, watch (laughs) out. Like, and and then like, I haven't heard anybody talk about 5G until like right now (laughs) in like in like six months. Like, it's weird. Like, like we're I I guess we don't have it in Houston or maybe we do. I have no idea. But like it just like like (laughs) left the public consciousness that at least I have access to. It's a super shitty technology um, that that they use to market phones. Yeah. Also, Paul Bloom has a MOOC, which I just wanted to mention. So we invoice Paul Do you Bloom. remember like six years ago, everyone was like, it's all going to be MOOCs. And then we literally had a pandemic where like... <laughs> It, we had to do that for a while and then yeah. like every and everyone was like like we, we knew we wouldn't like this and we don't and fuck all that and we're, we're back yeah absolutely it's very absolutely we had like, so happy we had like you know senate <laughs> meetings to discuss like the strategy cornell's strategy for MOOCs, you know going forward like that kind of shit no nobody wants to talk about it, it, it no nobody like, <laughs> like like i think like people i just have like probably younger uh faculty haven't heard of it or like <laughs> right. what's a MOOC? they're just called class I, here's one I like. I looked up because embarrassingly, I've never read anything really about this. But the RFK assassination being a conspiracy. Oh yeah. Like I, I knew I that Sirhan see- Sirhan was like the person who killed him, but yeah. I, but I don't know any of the theories as to why. Yeah, no, I don't think there is a good theory as to why he would. Or and, and like, and I also don't think that I think he clearly was a part of it now whether like whether he was in his right mind or not or whether right. he had been brainwashed or whether but but also there's a lot of theories that there were other people involved in right right well. there were there were more shooters yeah. i did quickly looking at the wikipedia i saw like a some yeah like you said my manchurian candidate kind of theories that like yeah he just got triggered at the at the thing to unload. yeah i mean uh but it, it is this is one of them where the official story uh, like with JFK, I, I like. I just think it's even uh, maybe even more apparent with the JFK assassination. But maybe that's just because I know more about it. But like I, that, the official story is 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 extremely implausible um, too. So you know, like without necessarily casting your lot with the specific um, conspiracy theory about like what actually happened, I think it's very reasonable to. Um, be skeptical of the official, the official explanation. Yeah. Can I ask you, and I will regret immediately asking this, but yeah. um, the JFK assassination part that you think is obviously bullshit, is it the, because there's the the part 
about there being one shooter and that shooter being Lee Harvey Oswald. But then there's the other part about why and like what his connections were and like what the yeah. motive was. It it's, seems to me that the physical evidence of there being Lee Harvey Oswald being the shooter is fine. Um, it's just that we don't know whether or not he had ties or is it both for you? It's more the second thing. It's more just the whole thing with Lee Harvey Oswald defecting to the Soviet Union yeah. than getting kind of welcomed back. It's not totally clear why um, or what. And then him hanging out with the FBI uh, and CIA right. operatives and or at least allegedly being there's some strange trip to Cuba where he either did or didn't go. Because I did look into this. I, this was interesting. Like I, it was like a year ago, but I but I I did a bit of a deep dive into this. Probably prompted by one of the like I think the podcast True and On did some good stuff on this. And yeah, it just doesn't like it doesn't add up the stuff about Lee Harvey Oswald himself in terms of the physical evidence. I don't know. There's definitely some fucked up things about the idea, you know, like the other guy getting shot in the magic bullet or whatever, but I'm not qualified to really weigh in on that part I do, of it. Like yeah. the grassy knoll stuff and all of that. Like, I, I just don't know about that stuff. But given that other smart people have raised questions about that, plus the the implausibility of like just anything regarding Oswald makes me doubt that he just acted alone and and did this, pulled this off. Yeah. So I know less than you. I've never done a deep dive. My understanding was that that, that magic um, bullet thing was thoroughly debunked, but... I don't think but, it was thoroughly debunked, but it um, was... It, there was another account that seemed like scientifically, right. but it's never not but I'm impossible. With, I'm, I'm still with you that the like no one's ever explained to me what the fuck Jack Ruby was doing, killing really hard people. <laughs> like, no, right. That too, we just never mind gloss that. over that. Yeah. yeah, no, of course. Like that's a that's a that's a huge one. There's absolutely no reason for him to do that because uh, he said he didn't want Jackie to have to go through the trial. <laughs> this like fucking pimp. <laughs> was like so concerned about uh, Jackie Kennedy. No, yeah, yeah. Fluoride in the water. I recently was hit up. Ithaca doesn't have fluoride in the water. And we had somebody recently come over and say, oh, I hear you don't have fluoride in your water. And I was like, yeah, doesn't that suck? Like, And they were like, no, no, it's a neurotoxin. Totally. And I was like, oh, <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> like, I was just like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> Can I just ask you one question? Have, have you ever seen a commie drink a glass of water? <laughs> <laughs> Vodka. That's what they drink, isn't it? Never water? Never water. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, I can yeah. no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids yeah. fluoridation fluoridation um uh, is it, that what this is like is yeah. that what this is oh uh, uh, no no it's that uh well yeah i don't know what fluoride is supposed to do but like the that that it's supposed to be bad for you is um like that, mm. that they're hiding that it's bad for you at least right I like that one of them is just rothschilds like that's all, <laughs> that's all you need to know <laughs> It must be incredibly uncomfortable to have that last name and just to not be, you know. <laughs> Alien cover-up, definitely. I mean, we know that. Yeah. The, the uh, faked moon landing. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to ask you what you think about that. 
Yeah, I'm like, if it weren't for the fact that Kubrick confessed to it in The Shining, I would be very skeptical. But <laughs> now that one doesn't seem like, uh, for me anyway. What's this government assassinate entertainers? I don't know. That one was so generic that I didn't really even uh, try to look it up. But like, like who? I, like, like Brittany Murphy or somebody? Or like, or like uh, Marilyn Monroe? Mm, mm. That one, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tupac, you know, maybe. Tupac, uh, yeah. If he was dead, if he's I would. Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about uh, others. It's very easy. These are very easy. You know, when you have the flexibility of like overdoses are so often, um, it's hard to know what happened, whether it was like suicide or whether it was like somebody actually, what do you call it? Uh, when you put too much heroin in someone's dose oh hot shot hot shot yeah yeah um banks manipulate the economy like (laughs) i I, I don't understand how that's like banks obviously manipulate the economy like what what do you like what does that mean next thing we know like there'd be a federal bank trying to set an interest rate (laughs) um i feel like they were trying to find ones that would get endorsement on the left Right. Clearly, because um, some of these, like with GOP steals elections, like yeah. that's not really like a right. conspiracy theory. But right. um, the, they actually say in the paper that this is exactly what they were trying to do. And, and yeah. um, but they said, you know, look, it's when we read other papers that argue that conspiracy theories are driven solely by the right or by the left. Like it's obvious when you look at their list of theories that they've cho- they've obviously chosen ones to make it right. seem like that, whether unwittingly or not. Sure. Um, Trump as a Russian asset, though, is a big one. Like, that's a, it's a, that's like yeah. one of the highest endorsed on the left. Um, yeah. yeah I'd, I don't think that that could possibly be true. I think that he was probably manipulated. But I like that right and left like join hands to agree that the JFK assassination was probably a conspiracy. Well, also that the Holocaust probably wasn't a thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> those two. It's just... <laughs> Everyone can meet at those two points. <laughs> and uh, clo- close to that is that cell phones cause cancer. There's a lot of... Uh, yeah. That's yeah. an old person thing. Because <laughs> now we like are more familiar with the like more immediate effects of cell phones and how they're destroying our life. <laughs> right. So the fact that they might also cause us cancer in like 30 years is, right. is not Doesn't really like, pressing. That's, yeah, yeah. That shit just kills you by depression. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, I'll say this. There's one that says single group control. And with that item, they were just really trying to see if, look, if if people on the right or on the left are more uh, likely to endorse conspiracies in general, then you should see a distribution of people more uh, likely yeah. to endorse. Just in general, there is a, one group that secretly controls shit, independent of what that group is that you believe. And that's pretty evenly split. So. Yeah. Yeah. Koch brothers world control is a funny one just cause <laughs> yeah. I, I like my impression of them is, is definitely not like world control to right. bite If on. you had to and put your money did. on the Rothschild versus the Koch brothers, my, <laughs> yeah. my money's on the Rothschilds. <laughs> but maybe that's how the Koch brothers wanted. It's sort of like, <laughs> you know, what was the other one that's kind of like that where oh soros yeah but soros yeah. i i like i do i had heard the soros is controlling the yeah. world one even though yeah. i know nothing about how or why or even really who george soros is and what he does 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know either. Like, I feel like I feel though that there is a flavor of if I lump together pedophiles, uh, Soros, um, TED Talk audiences, and the uh, the Davos uh, yeah. audiences. Yeah, <laughs> there's all there's something there's, there's something some going on. <laughs> yeah, only Lori Santos knows for sure. <laughs> Lori went to Davos, so she maybe thanks. she could tell us. Yeah, thanks. unless she's already in, she's in already Davos plugged podcast. into all those networks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No wonder her podcast is so popular. Yeah. No wonder her MOOC Tamler is the number one course on Coursera. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. But Good for she her. She lapped us. She really lapped us. Well, we don't have one. You know, if we, I'm sure ours <laughs> would be higher if we did one. That's right. I didn't want a MOOC. <laughs> Based on this, uh, on this opening segment, like you can already tell. <laughs> All right. Coursera, um, you can reach us at verybadwizards.com <laughs> with your offer. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to finish our discussion on Tolstoy and his great memoir, Confession, about losing meaning in life and finding it not through belief in conspiracy theory and whatever communal benefits you might get from that, but um, through faith of a different kind. Now a word from our longtime sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, look, I'm a Gen X kid. I grew up in the 80s. And as awesome as we are as a generation, we were not a generation that spent a lot of time taking care of our bodies or our minds. We'd put any kind of horrific crap into our mouth, like Wonder Bread, Fruit Loops, McRibs, you name it. Like, whatever disgusting thing they were putting out. And therapy, well, you know, therapy, that was like something for people in, like, Woody Allen movies. At least where I grew up, therapy was just not something people talked about, if they did it at all. And that's kind of amazing and unfortunate. Both physical and mental health are so important, so deeply connected to happiness. And, you know, we all want to make the most, if we can, out of this brief period that we're allotted on this planet. And therapy can be one of the ways to help us do that. I know so many people, students, colleagues, friends, family members who have benefited from therapy, and in some cases who say that it completely turned their life around. So if you think that therapy might help you at this point in your life, why not give BetterHelp a try? BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You don't even have to hear someone's voice on the phone if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And as usual, our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash VBW. So give it a shot. Go to BetterHelp.com slash VBW. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash VBW. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Boy, he turned into me.
Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time of the show where we like to take a moment, a brief moment, and thank everybody for all of their support, all of our listeners, those who have been with us for years now, those who have just joined us. Some of you have just joined us and binged, um, which is very weird to me. I apologize for anything I said in like episode five or something. <laughs> right, like almost 10 years ago. <laughs> almost 10 years ago. Um, if you want to... Uh, Become a part of our little community um, and discuss things with us. Um, talk to us. Message us. You can reach us at verybadwizards at gmail.com. You can tweet to us at the at verybadwizards account or at Tamler and at Peas. You can join the lively discussions on Reddit, our subreddit there, reddit.com slash r slash verybadwizards. You can follow us on Instagram and see when our shows are released. And if you enjoy us and uh, you are willing to take just a literal minute or two and go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and maybe even a pleasant review, we very much appreciate that as well. Yeah. Um, we get and, weekly kind of updates. And when we yeah. see some nice reviews, it's always... They've uh, been really nice lately, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, too nice. <laughs> did we lose our edge <laughs> the calm before the storm yeah well, maybe we did like i feel like you were saying i just wasn't arguing with you enough like in the, in yeah. the intro segment what's going on release it, am i sh- low on testosterone <laughs> release the shoda cut <laughs> <laughs> oh god maybe we'll have to it's in the vault <laughs> anyway thank you everybody for uh just reaching out to us and being part of our little community we appreciate it yeah and if you would like to support us in even more tangible ways um we always appreciate that there are a bunch of different ways that you can do that you can find them all on the support page verybadwizards.com you can go to paypal give us a one-time or recurring donation on paypal or you can become um one of our Patreon supporters and we have a bunch of different tiers of, of bonus content um, that you will get uh, for just $1 and up per episode. You'll get ad-free episodes plus six volumes of Dave's Beats that are mm-hmm. always awesome. And if you join at the $2 and up per episode tier, you get access to all of our bonus episodes and we've done a ton and we're planning on doing a bunch more, including including uh, a new series that we just launched for everybody last week called The Ambulators, an episode-by-episode breakdown of the unbelievably great television series Deadwood. We're having a lot of fun with that. We've recorded a bunch of episodes already. And at least at this point, we're planning to release them every off week Tuesday. So um, starting this Tuesday, there'll be episode two. And that will be for our Patreon supporters at that tier. At $5 and up, you get all of the, not above, but below all of what I just said. Plus, um, you get access to our Brothers Karamazov series, a little mini series that was also something we enjoy doing and are proud of. You get access to all of, is it all now at this point of your intro psych lectures? 
Or there's still a few? No, I still have a few left to upload. It's a good yeah. reminder, though. Yeah. And you get a, a couple access to a couple of my online lectures that I did during COVID on Plato's Symposium. And I'm, I know I keep saying this, but I am uh, trying to look through some of the stuff that I did during that period to see if there's anything else that's good or anything else that I want to put up. Um, you can get all that at the $5 tier. Plus, you get to vote on the Patreon listener-selected episode. And I am going to sometime in the next week post a call for topic suggestions there. At the $10 and up level, you get all of what I just said. Plus, you get to have a monthly Ask Us Anything segment where you ask us questions. We record a video where we give you our answers. And we've answered every single question that we've gotten so far. It's come to be something that we enjoy, and at least some of our listeners enjoy too. And um, at the $10 tier, you get to ask the questions, see the video, but we also put out the audio version of the episodes for everybody, $2 and up. So... Um, thank you so much. We're still amazed by your generosity. It is the engine that keeps this podcast running. It is the boat that keeps it afloat. It the is. boat that keeps it afloat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's get back to our discussion of Tolstoy's confessions. So in the last episode, we're about ha- we got about halfway th- through this. He has already talked about his kind of dissolute youth and like earlier life, uh, becoming a famous writer, hanging out with Russian aristocracy. He kind of lost his faith. He, he started believing religion was silly and it just played no part in his life. And then after he writes War and Peace... And Anna Karenina arrives at this point of this is worthless. None of this means anything. Like what you, you know, he's he he's not only like you know maybe written two of the top five novels ever written. He he's like recognized for that. You know, like so he he has a family who he seems to love by all accounts, and uh, and you know he's very wealthy and he has land and he go, but he still goes out and works with the serfs even though he's also working to try to liberate them. And he just still feels like the fact that he's going to die is stripping all meaning away from his life. It's, um, it's kind of depressing. (laughs) 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 I mean, literally for him, but yeah, that you can be, have that much success and still fall into like what obviously is such a deep, deep, uh, suicidal depression, um, well, you know, I haven't we talked my, about this with Bourdain and, you know, when yeah. we had Matt knock on, uh, yeah. and it's like, it doesn't matter like how, right. well, you know, like that, some of that stuff, but, it, but he doesn't see it that way. He feels like at least at this point, he's reasoned his way to this yeah. position. Right. Uh, one of the images that kind of launched this crisis, launched his description of this crisis was he felt like, um, somebody who's been running away from this beast and jumped into this big pit where he's holding on to a branch for dear life. And if he goes back onto the, you know, the, the land that he was running from, there's the beast. But below him is a dragon that is just waiting, uh, like just licking its lips, waiting for him to fall. And meanwhile, there are these two mice that are on the branch 
kind of slowly eating away at it. A black mouse and a, and a white mouse. And as you said last time, like kind of probably symbolizing night and day, but you could probably also have some kind of good and evil uh, implications there. Uh, it, I guess it can mean a lot of things. And there's just this little bit of honey that's falling down from the branch, which he can um, stick his tongue out and, and get the honey. But... Um, ultimately he knows where this is going. The mice are going to get through the branch and he's going to fall and hit the dragon. And all of a sudden the honey is just not tasting sweet anymore. And so, you know, this is the situation he, he feels himself in. Um, he is going to die and he's just hanging there kind of waiting for it to happen. He can find no justification for choosing one way or over another who cares it, it all ends in death and and you know he, he, he this it doesn't matter that he's more famous than Moliere and Shakespeare like so what he says like who cares if I am and yes I, I love my wife and and children but they'll all be dead too so what does any of this matter yeah and and their Tolstoy is in the dilemma that we're all kind of at is it fine to just sit here and drink the honey when these beasts are ready to devour me no matter what I do. Well, because um, he gives these four possible alternatives, yeah, right? He's yeah. like, so number one, you could just not really understand the problem. Like you could right. either, you could be like me for like most of my life and arguably maybe still today. You know, you're going to die, but not really, you yeah. know, like, right. yeah, I get it. And right. but propositionally, uh, you know it, but it doesn't, but it does yeah. not like invade your Right. Your life. So that's one. And he's like, well, that's too late for that because I now know that I'm going to die. I'm yeah. facing these questions. I'm aware. My eyes are wide fucking open. <laughs> so then the second one is, is one which is interestingly, he attributes to everybody in his class, the, the educated right. Russian yeah. aristocratic elite, but also to the author of Ecclesiastes, which he calls Solomon, but he also says, or whoever yeah. wrote Whoever wrote it. Uh, Ecclesiastes, yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. But the general idea is the Epicurean kind of, well, we should enjoy the pleasures that we have while we're here. And I think yeah. it, like it's a very, I don't know, it's not a fair way of describing Epicureanism, it sounds. Yeah, I feel I feel like I, I was going to ask you, in fact, whether whether Epicurus is did believe that all of the things that people attribute to him in in using the phrase, or I mean, using the, the word Epicureanism, which I think is just like, you know, egoistic hedonism is what he's talking about, right? Like, but but one that isn't selfish or vain in the way that I think Tolstoy is kind of intimating is true about everybody in his class and everybody. Yeah. Like, it's not just fuck a lot of people and eat a lot of really good food and like <laughs> it's 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 a lot more ascetic than that. It's 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 kind of halfway between that and stoicism. It's like right. it's not. F totally bloodless and cold like stoicism can sometimes be it's no enjoy there are certain things in life that you can depend on for the most part and yeah. enjoy like good simple foods and like friendship and then like friendship is so important to epicureans and yeah. relationships yeah, so in general that's what that's what i thought that's why i wanted to ask you whether yeah. like i think he's he's uh just misusing mm -hmm. like he's he he's talking about um hedonism of the selfish kind. Yeah. And like you, I was annoyed that he thought that this is what, you know, the eat, drink and be happy kind of thing that, that, that Ecclesiastes says that this is a, a selfish, simple right. hedonism. Um, there, there certainly is that. And maybe those people did live that way, but, um, 
enjoying things and being a selfish asshole about them is not the same thing. Yeah. So one of the, the the charges he levels against it is how can you enjoy all the like we are among the top 0.001% of people yeah. in like in terms of luck and privilege. He's talking about himself in and his class of people. So they can just go and get three bottles of wine and the really good oysters and like right. caviar and stuff like that. But the vast majority of people live lives of like deep suffering and they can't enjoy all these pleasures, these fine yeah. pleasures of life. And so how does that not ruin it for you? It's kind of yeah. the idea here. But again, yeah. this is one where it's like, I, he almost makes it seem like it's self-contradictory, but it isn't self-contradictory. It's, it's the fact you might have hit the lottery in terms of your ability to have access to these pleasures. Should that make it those pleasures less pleasurable given that, you know, the vast majority of humanity doesn't have access to them. And it's like, well, that's just a moral question, kind of a temperamental question almost of, right. of, of uh, you know, how you're able to enjoy things. But um, Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I, we're talking about the solutions that he has, but there is a section that we sort of skipped over where he, he says, look, my, my uh, belief that at the core, right? That there's a there's it's rotten at the core. That life is there is no meaning. Um, that belief is supported by some of the world's best thinkers: Socrates, Solomon, Schopenhauer, and the Buddha, who all arrive at this same conclusion that um, that really uh, life is meaningless and that suffering abounds. Right. Um, and yeah. so then those, they all offer different solutions to that same conclusion. It's like, so yeah. these are ways of responding to the conclusion that life is ultimately meaningless. Yeah. And one yeah. of them is to be ignorant, but you can't do that if you've already realized it, obviously. The second is what he attributes to the author of Ecclesiastes and the Epicureans. The third, he says, is to just actually end your life. And this is what yeah. like young strong-willed courageous people do but yeah. he's not and then the fourth people is knowing that number three is the the right response but not being able to have the guts to go through with it and he yeah. says that's where i was you like know cowardly clinging while knowing life is meaningless right um, uh so this is the real crisis like he's come to a point where he thinks that the right answer to the problem that we all face is ending your life, but uh, you have to have some courage and balls to do that, and he doesn't have that. So uh, I, I never quite – I get, again, the emotion that he's feeling, but it's right. like, well, why not live out your life? Like, <laughs> right. why? I, like, why do you have to end it? It doesn't follow, yeah. a, you know, unless you're – Unless this is somehow shaking your fist at existence and being like, you know, whoever is laughing, be, you know, behind the curtain, like, fuck you, I'm going to kill myself. Right. But if there's not that, then just live out your days. Like, yeah, it's a positive step. It's like an action to yeah. end your life. Why not live it? This is the yeah. thing. This is why I don't. He he feels like the his characterization of the Epicurean alternative is ruled out but I, it's not totally clear why like 
it seems to me it's just the honey not tasting sweet to him anymore. But that's not like honey tastes sweet to other people. It's not. And, and so I think the only real kind of argument as to why you can't just live out your life and enjoy what you, you know, wring whatever like goodness you can get out of it before the, the mice, hit, you know, finish off the twig and you go to the dragon. I think the only answer to that is, but if I uh, taste this honey and these other people can't have the honey, that's not fair or something like, right. it's like or morally maybe like, wrong to do that. Or, which is, I think, then why wouldn't you conclude that my sole goal in life would be to ease the suffering of others? Like as a privileged person that I yeah. can I can bring honey to others. Um, because I think that, that what he might be saying is that I can't live authentically believing yeah. this. Right. Yeah. And I think it's almost like if I, I think this is where I think I, I, I part with Tolstoy, if I can do that to somebody. How dare you? Uh, it's like he almost thinks that to enjoy something that's pleasurable, whether it's something as purely sensory as like the taste of caviar or sex or whatever, you have to think that it matters somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like to enjoy spending time with your family, you have to think that that's meaningful in some way. Um, and, just, I think, and just justified external to that, right? Yeah, like he right. thinks that it needs to be justified outside of that thing. And that's, you know, this is the Nagel point in the absurd paper. And this is, I think, something we agree on. Like, no, it definitely doesn't. So uh, so that's where he is. He's at, a, this is the bottom, bot, he's hitting yeah. bottom at this point. Yeah. Um, he ends this section, like chapter seven, with this doubt. He has just like a bit of a doubt that maybe yeah. he's wrong. He says, um, I see now that if I did not kill myself, it was due to some dim consciousness of the invalidity of my thoughts. However convincing and indubitable appeared to me the sequence of my thoughts and those of the wise that have brought us to the admission of the senselessness of life, there remained in me a vague doubt of the justice of my conclusion. Yeah. Um, uh, this one quote I love, he said, it, uh, I always put this in the when I teach it. It occurred to me that there is, still might be something that I did not know. After all, ignorance acts precisely in this manner. Ignorance <laughs> always says exactly what I was saying. Wh whenever it does not know something, it says whatever it does not know is stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so good. And it's like all so the people good. who like like mock yeah. me and yell at me about ghosts and all that, like <laughs> like read this and imbibe Oh God, it. you're using this for that. Yeah. Oh, I should have known. Uh, um, but no, yeah. but it's such a good point. And like, we've all been there. We've all been that person where we don't fully understand something. And so we think what I don't understand or know, it's got to be stupid because, yeah. because that's our way of like justifying to ourselves that we don't know it. Right. It's interesting that that Tolstoy has framed this whole thing as as a series of logical steps that he's made yeah. when really like in talking about this and and my as it sinks in what I've read this is an emotional journey that he's yep. going through. Exactly. This is the reason, you know, to 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 give a little bit to height um a little bit of credit. The reason is following his emotional journey. Yeah. It's it's that little bit of hope that he has that maybe he's wrong about his conclusion is I think just hope that's living in him. It's, it doesn't feel like it's really guided in the way that he thinks it is by, by like this rationality. 
it's funny. Like, I think you're totally right in the broader point of that this is a, an emotional, temperamental response to the same set of facts that other people are just as aware of as he is, but have a different emotional or temperamental response. Like, I, like me. Like, I, yeah, uh, right. But I, I think with this actual quote that uh, we're talking about, like, I actually think that's a reasonable epistemic position to arrive at is, well, hold on. Like, I, I feel like I have this down. I feel like I understand everything. And everybody else who thinks there's a solution to this is an idiot because I already know all the parameters. And I've and, and like... I think when you do get to that point, whatever it is, it can be about like methodology and psychology, you know, like, like with me, right? Like you, you should be saying to yourself, wait, we have this tendency to always think that things are stupid, uh, if we don't fully know them or understand. Yeah. Well, okay. Two things. One, it's not that I'm saying that that isn't uh, actually a reasonable conclusion no, because I actually think the reasons that he gives for the meaninglessness of life and like the reasons that he gives for having hope, th these are all, I think, good. Like the, the, the reasoning as he's laid it out is not fallacious necessarily. Right. It's just that I think that it's following like these insights of rationality are following his emotional journey. Like yeah. when he has hope, he then says, ah, like maybe yeah. it's that like we shouldn't be um, so quick to, to we shouldn't be so closed epistemically yet. You know, I feel like it's his hope that drove that, not that right. he realized that and then had hope. Right. The emotional um, dog. He, yeah. He says as much um, in the, in that quote that I read that, that there was something that didn't sit right, that he still had this desire to live. So it must be that his reasoning was fully, like was wrong. Yeah. You know? And then he starts looking all around him and seeing, well, how come everybody else is not having this existential crisis? I get my class. <laughs> yeah. We've come up with all this bullshit progress and, or, you know, we just like stuff ourselves with oysters and wine. And, but look at all these other people who can't afford any of that. And they seem to like have no problem. They're not, uh, they don't have any existential crisis. Like look at all the, the peasants and the working people and they're living yeah. and they don't seem to have a problem with it. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Right. And then I love this quote where he says, how strange and utterly incredible it seems to me now that in my reasoning, I could have overlooked the life of humanity all around me, that I could have fallen into such a ridiculous state of error as to think that my life and the life of a Solomon or a Schopenhauer was the true normal life while the lives of millions of others were not worthy of consideration. And it's like, like, it's so good because like he lulled you into thinking that like they, this is like the apex of wisdom is all these people that, you know, he's quoting and right. then he only to subvert it now and say, what a fucking moron I was to think that they have, uh, these people are the ones that are the norm and they've tapped into like the right. reality of, uh, the ethical reality of living. They, they like, were the yeah. weird ones all along. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's like they're the weird people. <laughs> um, it appeared that all mankind says it appeared that all mankind had a knowledge unacknowledged and despised by me of the meaning of life. Yeah. 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 And yet he just thought in his complacency, his just, I don't know, sense of superiority, which you alluded to, that that they could, they're too stupid to have figured out like an answer to this question, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And he's like, but yet like these people, they're not Epicureans because they don't have access to the pleasures. They're not ignorant. They know that 
people die, but they not only do they not like all kill themselves on mass, but they treasure life and they actually see killing people and suicide as like like a the greatest of all evils, he says. Right. Yep. And so right. they have some kind of knowledge that I lack. And it's this moment of humility, I think, that he needs to get to, to get his way out of the, his crisis. Yeah. So he, I guess, arrives at this point that what it is that they have that he's lacking is faith. Yeah. And so irrational not which he equates with irrational knowledge like everything i've been doing is rational and you can't have a rational answer to this question yeah but what they have is irrational answers irrational knowledge yeah which Reason- is interesting. reasonable knowledge had brought me to acknowledge that life is senseless right um yeah and uh so so the faith is what was giving the answers and he says what then is this faith as and i understood that faith is not merely the evidence of things not seen which is quoting the bible there and is not a revelation it is not the relation of man to god it is not only agreement with what has been told one but faith is a knowledge of the meaning of human life and consequence of which man does not destroy himself but lives faith is the strength of life if a man lives he believes in something if he did not believe that one must live for something he would not live it's a little circular there <laughs> yeah it is just circular like i yeah. think this is a, a strange thing like all these people live so they must they must have some reason for living or not reason for living but they must have knowledge of of something that allows them to live. But like, yeah. I feel like he was already saying, you don't need knowledge of something to live. It's just the, the normal response, the Schopenhauer will, you know, we, we're evolved creatures, you know, like yeah. dogs don't need that. And moreover, he didn't need that when he was in his dissolute youth, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird thing here. This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you once again by Ren. Visit Ren at Ren.co to learn all about it. That's W-R-E-N.co. What is it? Ren is a startup that's making it easy for everyone to make a meaningful difference in the climate crisis. So if you are concerned about the way that the climate is going and climate change and how it's affecting the world, but you're not sure what to do, Ren is a business that's essentially built to try to answer that question. And I think that Ren has come up with a clever solution for us individuals to make a difference. One of the things that's always frustrating for me is not knowing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing to make any sort of difference. And honestly, it annoys me when uh, I am sort of held accountable in a way that uh, overshadows the role that corporations and governments have in um, adding to this climate crisis. But Ren takes your subscription money and not only do they educate you They let you know uh, how much your carbon footprint is. They have an easy calculator. But then they actually use your subscription money to contribute to causes that will actively help in changing and trying to turn around um, the decline of the environment and the climate. And they do that not only by investing in technologies, but they do it also by using that money to put pressure on governments and corporations and make policy change. So you just go to the website at ren.co and you calculate your personal carbon footprint based on things like your lifestyle and you offset it by funding projects that do things like plant trees, protect rainforests, sequester CO2. And importantly, Ren is extremely transparent with what they do with that money that you give them. So once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates about whatever it is that you're funding, tree planting, rainforest protection, carbon 
carbon removal, etc. So it's going to take all of us to end the climate crisis. Do your part today by signing up for REN. Go to ren.co slash VBW, sign up, and they'll plant 10 extra trees in your name. That's wren.co slash VBW. Start making a difference. Our thanks to Ren for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. So he has this discussion about the relationship between the finite and the infinite that I, 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 yeah. I must confess, I, don't, I didn't quite follow what he was saying. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the, the finite, the finitude of life is the thing that led to the crisis. So I yeah. think he feels like the infinite is the only way out of the crisis. And yet we can't rationally make sense of a kind of infinitude um, spiritually. Um, and we can't make even make sense of it religiously. Like he, he talks about it, you could believe in uh, Christian doctrine, but then you have to think that three is one and like all sorts of other in, like incoherent, like just stuff that's right. irrational. It's inconsistent. It, yeah. And but yet these people still believe in it enough to live um, yeah. or believe in something enough to live. And whatever that belief is, is the knowledge that is necessary, according to Tolstoy, I guess, to, yeah. to, to not uh, end your own life. Yeah, he says, the conception of an infinite God, the divinity of the soul, the connection of human affairs with God, the unity and existence of the soul, man's conception of moral goodness and evil, are conceptions formulated in the hidden infinity of human thought. They are those conceptions without which neither life nor I should exist. Yet rejecting all that labor of the whole of humanity, I wish to remake it afresh myself and in my own manner. But so then he comes full circle, right? Which is this, once he accepts that faith is what is required to, to live, to get out of this, um, this logical or emotional hole of despair, he turns to the church again. He says, all right, let me go see what Christianity or like the Orthodox church has to say. Yeah. And um, he's quickly disillusioned that, you know, he, he quickly realizes that religion as it is, as it is practiced there has, has no real answers. He says, I saw that what they gave out as their faith did not explain the meaning of life, but obscured it. And that they themselves affirm their belief not to answer that question of life, which brought me to faith, but some, but for some other aims alien to me. Yeah. This is the part that uh, we don't ever get to. So I'm pretty much reading it for at the most the second time after skimming it through. And this part was really interesting because it does seem like he's, he's going to arrive at a place where it's like, okay, so I need to believe in J Jesus's love. And yeah. like a lot of these other, like, like the simple, pure peasant. Yeah. Um, and then he's quickly disillusioned with all of that. First of all, he never admits like the doctrine part of it could be true in some sense. Like yeah. he thinks it's, it's false at best. It's kind of getting at something, but it's not, uh, you can't make sense of all the, contradictions and then yeah. also that the people who practice it don't really seem to believe it because they wouldn't do the things that they do if they if they right really this is a theme it. of his which is like um if you're not if, if you're not living like a good person then i just don't believe you that you have yeah. the answer to anything he yeah. has this i think really nice um uh 
realization where he where he says that you know when I was saying earlier that um, life was evil and absurd, I was making a mistake to say all life is evil and absurd when really I was talking about my own life. I yeah. was evil and absurd. Right. Um, so he says the only mistake was that the answer referred only to my life, but I had referred it to life in general. To life in general, I asked myself what my life is and got yeah. the reply, an evil and an absurdity. And really, my life, a life of indulgence of desires, was senseless and evil. And therefore, the reply, life is evil and an absurdity, referred only to my life, but not to human life in general. I yeah. understood the truth, which I afterwards found in the Gospels, that men love darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone that doeth ill hath light, and cometh not to the light, lest his work should be reproved. You yeah. sounded like uh, the reverend there. <laughs> just, uh, just incoherent. <laughs> um, uh, I think this part is, well, no, here's what I want to say about it. Like, I wonder if a lot of the objections that we're making, he's agreeing with now. Like he's saying, like, I was generalizing from my own experience and making the mistake of thinking because I found life meaningless in the way I was leading it, that this was just uh, true for everyone. When in fact, all, I didn't need to like fix humanity and like find some ultimate solution for humanity as much as I needed to do that for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and so, so it wasn't, it's not the human condition. It was my condition. But um, he is also saying that it was the way I was living. So, like, yeah. somebody who could live the way I was living but just think it was great, like, I don't think he would have thought that was okay. No. Like, I so there is something about the way I was practiced, my day-to-day, -day did not allow for uh, a meaningful life to be led. Yeah, so so here's where he starts. The, this is a bit of the noble savage part that you were referring to. So he's, he's talking about, he says, so those who do his will, the simple unlearned working folk whom we regard as cattle do not reproach the master, but we the wise eat the master's food, but do not do what the master wishes. And instead of doing it, sit in a circle and discuss, why should that handle be moved? He's talking about the handle of a pump. Isn't it stupid? Yeah. So we have decided. We have decided that the master is stupid or does not exist and that we are wise. Only we feel that we are quite useless and that we must somehow do away with ourselves. He's almost just getting to the conclusion that like, just... Do live well, do your work, and don't don't like think too much about these questions. That's the that's the solution. Um, yeah, except so he says. I realized that in order to understand the meaning of life, it is necessary first of all that night life not be evil and meaningless, and then one must have the power of reason to understand it. I realized why I had been wandering around such an obvious truth for so long, and that in order to think and speak about the life of humankind, one must think, uh, speak, and think about the life of humankind, and not about the life of a few parasites. The truth had always been the truth, like two plus two times two equals four, but I had not acknowledged it for in acknowledging that two times two equals four, I would have had to admit that I was not a good man. And it was more important and more pressing for me to feel that I was a good man than to admit that two times two equals four. But I came to love good people and to hate myself and I acknowledged the truth. So I think he's really saying that like you need to you can not think about these things, and but only if you're living a good life for others, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Right. and uh, and the thing, his mistake was he was living a bad life and selfishly, and that's what led him to think that life is meaningless. And I get the sense that he feels like 
if you're going to live like that, it almost follows that life is meaningless. But if you don't, then, then, then life meaning kind of emerges out of your living well, practicing good, uh, being a good person, caring yeah. about others, living for others. Yeah. Um, he does then get to this point though, where he, he's, he's looking at the religions. Um, he gets to this realization that religion really isn't like, there's so many beliefs that are ridiculous and contradictory and absurd that for a while he was fine, you know, being religious again, but he just, then he would just try to not think about like the various uh, rituals, like when he took the communion and they were like, yeah, this is really his body and his blood. He was like, yeah, but not really. Like, and, and he, um, there's, this is now in section chapter 15, he says, how often I envied the peasants, their illiteracy and lack of learning those statements in the creeds. So he's talking about the, it's like the Nicene Creed, the, where you express your belief in the Trinity. Um, those statements in the creeds, which to me were evident absurdities, for them contained nothing false. They could accept them and could believe in the truth, in the truth I believed in. Only to me, unhappy man, was it clear that with truth, falsehood was interwoven by finest threads and that I could not accept it in that form. Yeah. And and he goes on this journey, which I think is is his sort of solution and the faith that he arrives at, which is, he never explicitly says this, so I want to ch check with you to see if you, you're getting the same sense. He he looks at all of the religions that he can, not just the various forms of Christianity, Orthodoxy, and Catholicism, and yeah. Protestantism, and whatever old believers are and Mulligans. And he also looks, uh, he spreads him, you know, he spreads his wings a little and goes and looks at at uh, Islam and Buddhism, and I think that he's just trying to see the common denominator across all these things because he feels deeply that there is a truth there that yeah. humans have arrived at this truth it's just been mucked up by layers and layers of dogma and and sort of stupidity bullshit um, yeah. and bullshit when you look for instance i was reading a little bit about the great schism which is when uh, roman catholicism and eastern orthodoxy split and they split because of like stupid little disagreements about, you know, like very small, trivial bullshit disagreements. And then, you know, they, these huge divisions become uh, like elevated to be the most meaningful of them all. Like, and and he's trying to cut through all the bullshit and, and find the truth in, in maybe some sense that God exists and that we should be good, that touching the infinite as finite beings. And it's not clear because yeah, he definitely arrives at a situation where I'm not subscribing to this or that particular sect or this and that interpretation of. And then he says that, like you said, about the truth and the lies being entangled and then gives this dream as a yeah. way of like interpreting it. And the dream is that he, he's in this, he's lying on some sort of uh, like rope uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to understand. I was trying to understand. He's in bed, feeling neither good or bad. I'm lying on my back, but I begin to wonder whether it's a good thing for me to be lying there. And it seems to me there is something wrong with my legs. They are too short or uneven. And as I start to move my legs, I begin to wonder how and on what I'm lying. Something that up till now has not entered my mind. So I don't know, foundations. And then he sees that he's lying on cords woven together and attached to the side of the bed. So it's kind of like a hammock. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's holding his bed up like you know, like a, a few ropes, a few strings holding his bed up. 
Somehow I know these chords can be shifted, moving one leg I push away the furthest chord. It seems to me that it'll be more comfortable that way, but I've pushed it too far. I try to catch it, but this movement causes another chord to slip out from under my legs, leaving them hanging down. I rearrange my whole body, quite certain I will be settled now, but this movement causes still other chords to shift and slip out from under me, and I see that the situation is only getting worse, and then my body is sinking, hanging down, and below him are like... Like, it just seems like in a total abyss yeah. and he's horror. And it seems like he keep, every time he struggles against the cords, it gets, he gets closer to the abyss. He gets like, he thinks he's going to be more comfortable, but he, he's not going to, but it turns out like he's making himself less comfortable and it just raises new problems to like move his leg in one way. And so the, at the end he says, you know, and he's wondering whether it's a dream or not. He, he looks up. He's so he has this horror that he's going to fall down into the abyss. He can't even look down there. And at some point, he it occurs to him um, that maybe this is a dream. And what is he supposed to do? Um, and he finally looks upwards. And above him, which he hadn't looked up before, above there's also an in- infinite space. Yeah. I look into the immensity of sky and try to forget about the immensity below and really do forget it. The immensity, uh, the immensity below repels and frightens me, but the immensity above attracts and strengthens me. I am still supported above the abyss by the last suspenders, uh, cords that have not yet slipped from under me. I know that I am hanging, but I look only upwards, and my fear passes. Um, and yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So like I take a couple of things from this, but I'm not sure how to interpret it. You know, the, the abyss is that kind of meaningless void that that led to his crisis. Up is this kind of uncertain but calming belief in the infinite and that fussing, like moving around and trying to get yourself like that almost always just makes things worse. Right. You know, I was trying to understand like if, if that was his, in his seeking different religions, um, or different philosophies of life, like everything was sort of failing him. No one chord was going to be able to keep him up. And when he moved to another one, you would just lose the support from the previous one. Yeah. Yeah, it it was making me think of Ivan Illich. This and like what ha- what said before, where it was like he had to admit to himself that he wasn't a good person, and I think doing that allowed him to kind of uh, relax with the chords and and also have the humility to just look up and yeah. and not try to figure all of it out. Right, um, right. It's a uh, only when he gave up these. The whatever, yeah, like intellectual or emotional fidgeting, yeah, his desire to answer it all himself, his desire to to kind of save himself from the abyss, all that fidgeting was his own, was his own action in an attempt to save himself, and and when he looks up to the infinite, and this is very different than the Eastern fable that he tells us, because when looking up there was the beast, but here he looks up and he's infinite to the infinite, and he he feels a sense of peace. And he finally feels like he is uh, secure and that he, once he looked up, he says, when I look upwards, I lie on it in the position of securest balance and that it alone gave me support before. 
yeah. a voice is saying, mark this, this is it. Like, this is the solution. Yeah. Like he says in the dream, this is what it's all about. It's this realization, but it's not clear what the realization is. It's irrational. It's not going to be able to be articulated in. Yeah. But there is something, yeah. you know, common to a, a lot of religious traditions, which which is to to submit, right? Yeah, to surrender. Surrender yourself, right? Islam means submission, where we surrender ourselves and all our imperfections to Christ. Um, and And there, only when he surrenders, does he finally get the support to stop from falling into the abyss, um, whereas yeah. he thought he could find it on his own. It's very yeah. mystical. Um, he thought through action, like yeah. he can, and like the intellect, he yeah. could, uh, but it turns out that it was actually surrendering, or like I also got Eastern philosophy vibes, like ceasing to resist. That doesn't mean that you're surrendering your, yourself to a particular god or a particular but it's that you are surrendering to life as it is and yeah. not trying to change it or figure it out or um you are just it's a kind of acceptance you know Instead, yeah I, like like it does i don't think it has to be read as submission as much as ex a kind of radical acceptance well th what you say i i was reading um I don't remember where, but that very point that you're making, which is that um, it seems as if this is more of an Eastern uh, like approach to things. And you get the sense that that he was treading on dangerous territory um, in publishing this. In fact, it yeah. wasn't published in Russia. So he, you know, if if he was arriving at some sort of uh, like Buddhist or, or more Eastern conclusion, yeah. He couldn't write it out that way. He still has, you know, he yeah. still has to be um, kind of loyal to the tradition that he's from. But, um, but yeah, so like unlike the uh, Kierkegaard's leap of faith, which is very agentic and which is, you know, moving him doing the action, he, it really does seem like you say that this is more of a let go let go is the exactly that deeply in Christianity. There's deeply that's you as the agent, you as the agent exist and you're coming to God. And there's a submission in a way that I don't think there is in the more Eastern traditions of like, cause your submission makes it seem like you're submitting to another agent. Yeah. And in right. this case, it's just submitting to the bed and to the, mm, the, yeah. the, the environment, you know? Yeah. It's interesting again, compared to that Eastern fable where the beast is awaiting you up above and you're precariously perched, the ants are going to gnaw at the twig and you're going to die. It's very similar, you know, and I don't, I, I, he must have yeah. realized that it's, it's, he's in a similar predicament. It's just that when he looks above yeah. and he, the, the infinite gives him peace Right. In a way that that the beast scared him, and like, could he have just looked in a different direction, like the other way from the beast? And <laughs> yeah, just, that's what. I, because and nothing, not at the dragon, like not at the beast, not at the dragon. You sort of wonder what's changed exactly. Exactly, uh, because your your circumstances, your material circumstances, are the same. Yeah, um, and maybe it's the faith that he's accepted that is yeah. making the beast not appear so beastly anymore. It is. Yeah. That's and just, the dragon not appear. And even, yeah. Or I guess he's not even look, thinking of that. I don't know. It's almost like, is he denying it by just not looking at the abyss? Or Maybe that's what fate. Yeah. Well, he's not looking at the abyss because the abyss scares him. So he's looking up and he sees this calming infinite thing. And it it does seem to me that this was all just his his shifting of the frame. And that's what faith is. Faith, faith is yeah. what converted 
the inevitable, which is we all end up becoming nothing, but faith has converted that into something calming rather than something daunting. So here's what I struggle with. Cause you know, like sometimes I read this stuff and I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Cause like <laughs> the thing that he had with his brother, like I had that with my mom, you know, yeah. like I watched my mom in the prime of her life, just dive from uh, cancer. And it was a fairly protracted death. Like when she was like 40 years old and more full of life than anybody I knew and, and still know, and like just snatched away from her. But I didn't have this existential crisis. Huh. Like I didn't think what is life for and like none of that, you know, like, like I was obviously devastated and, but it never made me question the meaning of life on this level. And so like, you know, sometimes I think, am I just the kind of fundamentally unserious people like that he's huh. talking about? Uh, and I do sometimes think about myself, that about myself, that I'm kind of a fundamentally unserious person. <laughs> but then other times I think that the thing that faith is for him is a label for something that I just kind of had naturally, which hmm. isn't a delusional thing as much as just... Uh, I don't know, a, a zest for life might make it too strong, but certainly just this like ex excitement about being alive and that, like to the point of even though like so much about it sucks and yes, there's so much other suffering, just it never would occur to me that this is something that you want to question at that level. It's like, well, you know, like the, the simplest, stupidest sounding solutions have always been like, we're alive now, so let's make the best of it you right. know, for as long as it lasts. Is that just faith for him? You know, just whatever that is that... Uh, I don't know, because I can't get into your mindset. Um, I am so... We are so different in so many ways. It's hilarious that we can even have conversations that are meaningful with each other. Yeah. Uh, the... The meaninglessness of life, the potential that is that we are all just going to be food for worms, is something that is enters my mind on a daily basis. <laughs> like it is, yeah. I feel like I have a zest for life, like you. That's why I don't want it to end, and that's why right. the the thought that um, well, this ball of of rocks will keep spinning um, until the heat death of the universe, and what does it matter that I was here for a, for a brief flash? You know, man is but a mist. Um, that, that eats at me. And I think that maybe I can arrive at a similar place as you and Tolstoy, but it takes effort. It really takes for me to say, no, life is worth living because of these, the, the meaning that is inherent to all the, who we love and, and our consumption of art and our living of the good life. That is all meaningful. And I have to constantly remind myself that right. that, and that's why, and that's me not looking down at the pit, right? right? That's me trying really hard to look up. It sounds like you just, can I'm the simple look up. peasant. You can, or, you, or you've always looked up like, or, or maybe or, I've always looked up or yeah. maybe looking down wasn't that bad. I don't know. It's hard for See, me to... See, that's what it always was for me, is that looking down wasn't that bad. And what you're saying is that you're, you have a zest for life, so you want it to go on longer. Like, yeah, of course, but that doesn't mean you should, you know, all the more reason not to stress out about, like, it's... Uh, it's inevitable uh, end. It's, it's inevitable end right now. I don't know. It's like, this is why I really do think, like you said, it's an emotional journey. And yeah. I appreciate it. I'm so glad, but like, I don't fully relate to it as much as, um, yeah. I think a lot of people do. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be curious what our readers think uh, about this. Like, I, I don't. Readers I think would imply that readers are listeners. <laughs> our listeners think uh, we don't write. We, that, that I don't taste that sweet honey. That, that honey yeah. is tasteless to me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I don't uh, like. I don't think that it is an error that we're making. Like, it really does seem like constitutionally like our philosophical journeys are different because uh because of the way that we're made up um yeah and, but we're staring at the same facts yeah yeah um and it's or the same facts as we understand them. Yeah, yeah and it's deeply interesting to me that that um maybe just i was born with like a touch of more of anxiety than you and that that's made that's that's made uh, a big difference in the way that we approach things like i don't know my uh, wife always says that I'm like I get like stressed out about small things, but v- I'm very relaxed about that's, the big it, things. And in that's life. how we're and opposite. It, I'm yeah, so not stressed out about small things. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true, totally. It's and that's just how we're like. <laughs> that's so yeah. we're wired. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. It's it's uh, I'm low on that daily neurosis, and I'm high on the existential neurosis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on that note, keep staring up at the uh, peaceful infinite above. That's right. That's where we are. Come join us. (laughs) Come join us there. (laughs) Uh, And join us next time on Very Bad With It. Just a very bad wizard.